So can we uh, turn for a, a brief time this morning uh, to the passage that we read earlier and uh, in relation to a text uh, it is found in verse 18 Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy and particularly focusing on that that last phrase of the verse so that in everything he might have the supremacy now Colossae was found in what we now know as modern day Turkey it was uh, multiracial it was multi-religious it had Roman influence it had Greek influence uh, it had influence from from Asia uh, coming in from from the east and in this multiracial multi-religious pluralistic society we have the the church there at Colossae and they were facing I would suggest the same pressures that face us on a daily basis we live don't we in a multi-religious society we live in a pluralistic society within that society what's so special about Christianity Paul is is pointing out to them in the midst of of everything that was going on in that society and and false teachers who were who were coming up he was at pains to answer the question of what makes Jesus so very special why is he so central to your thinking Paul these teachers that were, were making their, their voices known there in Colossae were saying well Jesus may be special but he's not unique uh, he may be vital but uh, not wholly uh, sufficient look at the religions around you look at look at, at what's being taught around you and you can pick and mix you can have Christ and something else that was their perspective but what Paul says in this passage is that Christ is supreme in him there is no greater beyond him there is no one to whom we can turn 
The work of Christ is sufficient alone because his person is unique. He is the one that we need. So I want to look at this passage and uh, levering on this particular uh, text found in, in verse 18. And I want to make three points. One, that Christ is preeminent in revelation. Secondly, Christ is preeminent in creation. And finally, that Christ is preeminent in salvation. Christ is preeminent in revelation, Christ is preeminent in creation, and Christ is relevant in salvation. Firstly then, Christ is preeminent, is first of all in Revelation. We are told, aren't we, in, in John, in the Gospel of John, John verse uh, chapter 1, verse 18, no one has seen God, but Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It is Jesus who reveals God to us. It is he who discloses God to us. You want to know what God looks like? You want to know his character? Look to Jesus. It is the office of the Son of God, the the divine Son, the second person of the Trinity, to make God known. He is the revealer. Uh, turn, uh, won't you, to, to Hebrews, a very uh, familiar passage to us. Hebrews chapter 1. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The exact representation of God. Now, we, we, uh, all pictures and illustrations will fail at, at, at some point, but, but one illustration is, is this. If you, if you went into your, into your wallet, or you went into your, your purse and you, you pulled out a banknote, well, what you will find on that banknote is, is the, the image of the queen. The image of the sovereign, the monarch of the UK. On every banknote. 
Now, that's, that's more than just a picture. What, what is that telling us? It's telling us that this piece of paper, that's all it is, isn't it, really? But this piece of paper is money and can be exchanged because it has the full force, the full authority of the state. It is the representation of the state in terms of the economy. Or think of it in terms of, of, of history when, when people would have put seals on letters, wax seals. And the, 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 the dye or the, or the imprint as that seal went through was the exact representation had the authority of the person sending the letter. It was as if that person was in the room presenting that letter him or herself. It had the seal, the authority, the exact representation. Now those pictures are imperfect, but I trust it goes some way to show that what Paul is saying here is that you you want to know God? Don't look anywhere else. Don't look to the philosophy that's around in the world. Look to Christ and to him alone. And he has the full authority of God to reveal God to you. That's what Paul is saying in this passage that Christ is preeminent in Revelation. That he is God and he reveals God. He is the only one who reveals God to us. Not man's ideas, not any wisdom, but the revelation that comes through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has declared God, the Bible tells us. He has made him known. Christ is preeminent in revelation. Secondly, and we mentioned it, didn't we, when we were speaking about the catechism uh, with, with the children a little earlier. This passage tells us that, that, that Christ is preeminent as Lord over creation. He is the great creator himself. Look at, uh, look at verse uh, 16 there. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or, or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Again, you remember, don't you, the those opening words of the Gospel of, of John. In the beginning was the Word. 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. A comprehensive nature of Christ's preeminence in creation. All things. There is nothing that you can think of. There is no nature program that you can watch. There is nothing that you cannot see. Indeed, this passage takes us beyond creation and talks about the visible and the invisible. Talks about powers and authorities. There is nothing that you can imagine that Christ is not preeminent over in relation to creation. Now, the society of, of, of Colossae is no, no different. This may have been with me some 2,000 years ago, but they're, they're no different to us. Man doesn't change in that nature. And there was all kinds of uh, curiosities and fascinations with different philosophies and the supernatural. Uh, they, you would have seen it as you would have gone down the, the streets there in Colossae. And what some people were, were, were saying to the, to the Christians there, well, in, in order, to, uh, in order to, to, to overcome this, Christ is not sufficient. You, you, need, you need Christ and something else. You need these, these boatons. As if uh, the world is a, is a little bit like, um, like Star Wars, I'm sure many of you possibly have seen Star Wars. And there's this, this thing of, of, of light and darkness. That's, that's the theme throughout all those films. And there's almost an equality. The, the, the one is, is an ascendance and then the other becomes an ascendance. Paul says, well, the world isn't like that. Christ is supreme. He has the preeminence. All the superstitions that you're seeing there in Colossae, all the superstitions that we see in our society, they're nothing. They are nothing. It is Christ who has the preeminence. It is he who is in control. Whatever it may be, whether it's natural, supernatural, angelic, seen, unseen, all of it, all of it, ultimately serves our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Even when we possibly can't see that, what this passage is telling us is that Christ is supreme. Christ is preeminent over creation. He's the one, the Bible tells us, in whom all things hold together. 
they they cohere they have a cohesiveness in Christ is not only there before creation over creation the source of creation he is the sustainer of creation why are you here today we've we've learned one thing out of this year haven't we if we didn't already know it life is very fragile how were you here this morning how were you physically able to get up with a degree of health take that breath and move and make your way to the place of worship because Christ sustains you because he is the sustainer of creation there is nothing that is nothing outside of or beyond his control why do you live and move and have your being why does your heart still pump blood around your body because Christ holds all things and sustains things and upholds the universe by the word of his power the Nicene Creed one of the one of the early statements i suppose of belief of the christian church uh, says this speaking of jesus god of god light of light very god of very god begotten not made of one substance with the father by whom all things came to be why is it that the wind and the waves obey jesus why is it that he can raise people from the dead why is it that he can stand before that tomb of a three day dead lazarus and say come forth and lazarus comes forth why is it that demons flee at his words because he is preeminent over creation do you believe that do you believe that to be the case pause now because your answer has consequences if you believe that then what do you do what do you do with a christ like that because he is not easily dismissed because he is the vast glorious omnipotent creator god 
You don't marginalize it. You don't presume upon it. I suggest there's only one. One sensible conclusion. And that is that you must bow down before him. You must adore him. And rise up and spend your life in his service. Christ is preeminent in creation. Finally, he is preeminent in salvation. He's preeminent in revelation. He's preeminent in creation. And he is preeminent as Lord of salvation. Christ is the image of the invisible God. Then we get to verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. It's a, it's a statement, isn't it? Paul is saying to the people there, he's saying that this is a relationship that Christ has to his people. The Christ who is Lord of creation, who has authority as we've seen over all, is intimately connected with his church, with his people. Still there with authority, still there with lordship. But he is the head of the body the church. It's an organic relationship, isn't it? It's not a structural thing. It's not uh, just simply how you organize something or you have a framework. The head is organically connected to the body. He is, if we are Christians today, he is our head and we are members of his body it is profoundly intimate the church is the body of Christ he is our head and we as we are told in the Bible we are one with him and in him we are one with one another. It is no small thing. This is a glorious thing. There is, there is no organization like it that you can, you can imagine. Because it's not an organization. It's a body. Intimately connected. Gloriously united. Because Christ is preeminent and he is the source of the church. Look at verse 18. Again, he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. Something new has begun in Jesus Christ. Christ, by his resurrection, has a unique position of preeminence and lordship and authority. Something new, unique and significant has broken into this corrupted world. The resurrection of Christ is a new beginning. The taste of a new creation which has occurred when Christ broke the bonds of death and stepped out alive from that tomb on the third day. And what was he doing? Reconciling all things to himself. Because we know, don't we, that the creation was subjected to the curse. The curse that happened all the way back there in the Garden of Eden and by which we are absolutely affected by. But that creation receives a newness, receives a redemption in Christ. God in man. Christ nailed the tree. Deity united to humanity without sin. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable. The firstborn from amongst the dead. Sin banished, death defeated. Why did that happen? Why did he do all that? Why did God take on flesh and dwell amongst, amongst us? Why in the union of two natures and one person forever is our salvation secure? Well, first and foremost, verse 18 tells us so that he might have the preeminence, the head of the church and your head in your heart if you are a Christian. Conquering all. Now again, as Paul goes on there in, in verse 21, he uses some, some strong language. Paul isn't being diplomatic here. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Alienated. Enemies. Evil behavior. Strong words. Sometimes don't we that... Uh, we, um, particularly maybe more so in, in our modern day and age, uh, 
words change. Uh, I don't mean that we don't use them, but, but the way in which we use them uh, changes. Uh, they become less forceful sometimes. The Bible describes us as rebels. The Bible describes us as rebels. Play. Now, when people use the term uh, rebel um, these days, sometimes it, it's, it's almost a sort of a, a badge of honor. Oh, he's a, a rebel. Uh, she's got a rebellious nature. It's, it almost becomes a term of affection. Couldn't be further from the, the real meaning of the word in any sense or, or form. I'm sure yesterday you saw, maybe, maybe you, you watched it all, or, or certainly you, you, you saw it on the on the news, um, pictures from from the funeral of the of the Duke of Edinburgh, and that funeral took place in St George's Chapel in Windsor Castle, and that's the the chapel of the uh, Garter Knights, uh, one of the the oldest uh, orders, the oldest order uh, in in the land. And just where the Queen was, was sitting, if you, if you uh, kind of imagine those pictures in your mind's eye, behind the royal family were, were plaques. Plaques going back to the, the 1300s when the order was set up by, by Edward III. And they're the coat of arms. They're the coat of arms of the Garter Knights. If you went to St. George's Chapel and you went the other side of the wall from where the Queen was sitting. On that wall, you'll find another plaque. You won't be able to read it. It's illegible. It's battered. It's scuffed and worn. And the guide will tell you that that's the plaque of one of the knights who rebelled against the monarch. Now it goes without saying that that person met a rather tortuous end. But that wasn't sufficient for a rebel against the king. The garter knights took the plaque from the wall in the chapel of St. George and they kicked it. Kicked it and scuffed it all the way down the aisle of the church out of the castle and kicked it into Windsor Castle had a moat at that time and kicked it into the moat the rebel was dead the rebel had, had, had faced a terrible end that wasn't sufficient his memory had to be obliterated it had to be destroyed and it was only with archaeological surveys that they found this this plaque say you can see it a rebel and the consequences of rebellion and that's what the Bible describes us my friends we are rebels and our only hope of salvation the preeminence of our salvation 
is in Christ alone. The only way we can have forgiveness of sins is not in the philosophies of this world, is not in living a better life, not even coming to church religiously, but is in Christ alone. Don't go to the broken philosophies, the broken systems of this world. They'll fail. They'll fail. Because they are not the God-ordained means of salvation. God has outlined exactly how to deal with his rebels. There's only two ways they're going to be dealt with. One is punishment. Or that that punishment was taken upon our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And in his sacrifice we have forgiveness of sins. The fullness of salvation. What do you want when you face the grave? When every everything else is gone. When you're on your own, facing your mortality. Do you want the feel good philosophies of this age? Do you want the comfort of, well, I've lived a good life? Do you want the comfort of, well, I, I've got a family around me? All those things will fail. It is only in Christ alone that we have a safe harbour that we can come to him in rest. Come to me, he says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't look for rest where no rest can be found. Don't look for hope where only false hope is offered. Rest in Christ. Make much of him. Show him to be preeminent. Don't look to your family. Don't look to your bank balance. Don't look to your budgeting. Don't look to your friends. Look to Christ alone. Is he first in your heart? Is he first in your priorities because there is coming a day we mention creation there will be a new creation, a new heavens, a new earth we will be resurrected from the grave our Lord has proved that he has been the first fruits who have come out to that grave in that new creation. But this world is going to be wrapped up 
where will you be? Because this passage that we've read is a hymn. It's, a, it's an early Christian hymn. And it's a hymn of, of, of adoration. It's a hymn of worship. One of the great sadnesses uh, that, that uh, still we have and we're thankful, of course, that we can meet together to worship God. But one of the sadness is that we can't sing. Hopefully, God willing, uh, that will change over, over time. What a day that will be. Imagine, uh, after so long, meeting together and singing the worship of God. You looking forward to that? But there's something more to look forward to. The worship of God for all eternity. In a new creation, in a new heavens and a new earth. When all this has passed away, what will we be doing? We'll be worshipping the Lamb of God. We'll be singing his praises. We will be adoring him because he is in all things preeminent and deserving of every iota of that worship that we can give to him in a new heavens, a new earth, without sin, without tears. Taken up with the worship and the praise of our God. How do you view that now? How did you view that as you as you came into church this morning? If this is a early Christian hymn, which is full of of praise and adoration and and lifting the name of Christ on high, the question is, what's What's central in our lives? What's central in our praise, and our faith, and our obedience? Those who are saved by grace should have our Lord and Saviour at the focus and fulcrum of our lives. He must be, my friends. He must be preeminent in your life. Look on what he has done for you. Doesn't it draw out praise and glory to his name? And if you're not in that position this morning, don't sweep your rebellion under the carpet. Don't rely on living a good life or having a loving family or friends or whatever the case might be. Flee to Christ because he and only he has the preeminence in our salvation. He 
is our only hope so that he and that we all all of us gathered here today may in that new heavens and new earth may be praising Christ physically together and glorifying his holy name without sin where he is unquestionably the centre of our praise our faith and our obedience if we could have sung then uh, we we would have uh, sung hymn uh, 169 mighty God while angels bless you may a mortal lisp your name Lord of men as well as angels you are every creature's theme Lord of every land and nation ancient of eternal days sounded through the wide creation be your just and lawful praise for the grandeur of your nature grand beyond a seraph's thought for created works of power works with skill and kindness wrought for your providence that governs through your empire's wide domain wings an angel guides the sparrow blessed be your gentle reign but your rich your free redemption dark through brightness all along thought is poor and poor expression who dare sing that wondrous song brightness of the father's glory shall your praise unuttered lie fly my tongue such guilty silence sing the lord who came to die from the highest throne in glory to the cross of deepest woe all to ransom guilty captives flow my praise forever flow go return immortal savior leave your footstool take your throne hence return and reign forever be the kingdom all your Shall we all pray? To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.